0: yes yes team welcome to another episode of the total mental performance podcast today we have the og of fitness marketing uh, he's mr vince del monte he is the founder of the seven figure mastermind uh, and he has been coaching for a long long time vince brother thank you so much for coming on to the podcast
1: it's an honor man can't wait to bring some fire here and truth most importantly
0: sure. So for those who are tuning in and they've probably heard of you, but they don't know enough about what it is that you do. Could you give us a snapshot what it is that Vince does?
1: I help trainers make more money and uh, I help them do that by marketing their coaching service on social media. Um, For those who don't know me, I was one of the very first online fitness coaches before it became a thing back in 2006. So I um, had quite a bit of success myself. Uh, for 12 years, helping skinny guys build muscle. I built my whole brand around my skinny Vinny to fitness model story. I grew up in a, a Christian home, long distance runner, was always uh, behind in school, always average in athletics, um, even felt uh, mediocre in fitness modeling when I entered that world. So I kind of had that um, constant uh, emotion of loss, disappointment, frustration comparison. Just, you know, when am I going to get my break? And um, my story is just one of a guy who never stopped leveling up. I believe if you don't level up, you'll level off. And uh, i just been constantly growing. And um, after 12 years of helping skinny guys build muscle, I was asked quite a bit, hey, do you teach trainers how to do what you've done? And I said, no, why would I do that? That's why would I, you know, why would I help people do what I'm doing? That's going to create more competition. I was ready for a transition out of fitness coaching to business coaching. So, for the past five years, I have been coaching fitness coaches to take their passion and their credibility and package it into a coaching program and market it on the internet. And, um, you know, we've helped hundreds, I believe over 400 people become six figure earners, well over two dozen become millionaires, fitness millionaire coaches. And uh, that's what I'm focused on right now. I'm a father, got three kids. So I know the uh, I know the trials and tribulations that come with, with that. A lot of people do not tell the truth about marriage nor parenting. And uh, a lot of people don't tell the truth about what it takes to grow a business. And a lot of the um, sacrifices that um, are required and, and many of them are not worth <laughs> the requirement in order to be successful. So that's a bit about me. Um, Live in Toronto, Ontario right now. 26 months ago, we were sick and tired of all the BS in Canada. Still am. Decided to escape Communist Canada and uh, built a home in another country. I have a visa. Um, We are not there because of personal issues, um, God willing. Uh, We could be, hope to be, but I'm fully surrendered to uh, where my future may entail. Um, But I do have a home in Franklin, Tennessee as well. And uh, we'll see what the Lord has in store. Thank you. Vince for that snapshot. And uh, I hope with
0: all the personal chaos, everything's okay. And as you know, this too shall pass. And it will.
1: (laughs) It's soon to be replaced by something else. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) as
0: Always, as always. So there was one thing you touched on right at the end there that was quite interesting was the sacrifices required in order to scale a business. And I'd love to get your thoughts because I think the world has become very focused on ambition. Ambition has become the sexy thing. Being driven has become the sexy thing. It wasn't always. That was kind of the weird thing. But if we look at this age of social media, it is the sexy thing. And a lot of coaches that we speak to, they tie themselves up in knots. They're stressed. They're stuck in comparison. They're overwhelmed. They're anxious. They're comparing each other on, well, this guy's doing XK a month more, and I'm more experienced, or X, or Y, or Z. And they get so caught up in all the noise. One Mm. of the things that I spot is, and I'd love to get your take. It might be completely different, is Mm. there is – a difference between somebody that's genuinely driven and somebody that's adopted being driven. They've adopted being driven because it's cool, because it's sexy, because they see everybody else doing it. And when you talk about the sacrifice, you have to have a level of almost insanity to really, if you really want to grow, in my view, to seven and eight figures from the entrepreneurs I've coached, you've got to really fucking want it. Like, there's, there's got to be a part of you that deeply wants it. And the biggest disconnect I see is with coaches that don't really want it but they're told that they should have it or they get stuck in mm-hmm. comparison. Thus, they push themselves to the point of burnout, to the point of chaos, yeah. disorder. And I think it's a big problem. I'd love to get your thoughts on it from from where you said. You, you
1: said a lot there. So first thing that jumped out at me is um, you can't just want what you want. You got to want what your wants get you. And oftentimes um, that want of being a seven, eight figure earner I mean, that can bring a massive amount of stress, overwhelm, disconnection from family, burnout, right? It it can result in things that are not worth sacrificing. And and if something's too expensive, then it's not worth sacrificing. So the, the question becomes, where is the drive coming from? From my experience, most drive comes from survival mechanisms and from dysfunctional behavior that came from childhood that has um, forced you uh, to create new behaviors that give you an identity. These new behaviors that create an identity um, are actually unsustainable fuel sources. So for instance, what did I lead with? I always felt behind in school. Mm -hmm. Well, look at entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship is something that can help me combat the tool, but that is a freaking lie. I've never been behind. Nobody's behind. That is spitting in God's face. That is literally a spit in the the God of the universe's face saying that my journey is not where it's supposed to be. What the fuck? What do you know about where you should be right now? You are exactly where you're supposed to be right now. So when you start to say, oh, I should be further along. Oh, I could be here. You are literally disrespecting God it is the biggest disrespect you could ever, ever make because you are not owning your journey, you're not owning your lessons, you're not owning who you are, you're not owning what you're doing, you're not owning how you're leading, you're not owning your experience and the lessons that you need to learn. So I think one thing we need to just humble ourselves and and we need to appreciate that every single person's story is different and it's unique and it's what separates you from everybody else. I've had that. Like I grew up with all these guys um, who got started early with me. And some of them are eight-figure earners. Some of them are nine-figure earners. Some of them sold companies. And I always have this like, oh, I'm behind. I should be further ahead. I wouldn't trade my life with theirs for a day. Because I've seen some of the things they've sacrificed to get there. And it's not worth it. So the thing that you need to do is set your what I call desired end state. Emotional desired end state. Emotional desired end state. And you have to start with what do you want at the end of your day? What do you wanna feel at the end of your week, at the end of your month, at the end of your year, at the end of your month? Most dudes don't even know what an emotion is. oh, I want more, I want free, freedom's not an emotion. I want, uh, you know, more security. These are not emotions. Peace is an emotion. Purpose is an emotion. Pride is an emotion. And what I had to do, is I have to figure out what actually do I want to feel at the end of those different time frames and oftentimes we're already able to access those emotions if we stopped comparing ourselves and most people's ambition is built around other people's insecurities <laughs> mm-hmm. and the insecurities of this world are the trophies that the world exalts now and there's four of them specifically for men it's fortune fame power and pleasure these are the four trophies of our world today. And if you know anybody who's pursuing them, rarely are any of those people happy. They're obsessed. They're burned out. They function off of frantic energy. They've got different vices. Many of them uh, are one-dimensional human beings. And you've got to ask yourself, is that what you want? So, so I, I just, I, I've found that the people at the top, typically 99% of the people at the top are all wrong. And the more I study the people at the top, the more dysfunction I see. And I'm not saying this from a place of judgment whatsoever. I am sharing this from a place of me hitting a record revenue month last year. Uh, we hit $1.7 million in a three-day weekend. And it was like, amazing. I was like, wow, this is where we've wanted, always wanted to be. And then guess what happened next? I felt it for a moment and then I wanted more. We need to get the $2 million in a month. And I realized that I was addicted and I, that, that I was obsessed. And when things started falling apart in my business, my business actually started going backwards. We bid off way more than we could chew. I was so focused on this stupid number that next thing you know, I'm starting to experience relational fallout within my team, in my personal life, in my health. I became a horrible father. I had these crazy outbursts. I took it out on loved ones, people who did not deserve it. I didn't know how to emotionally regulate. And I started to experience the most extreme type of loss that brought me to a rock bottom. And I woke up and I realized, what the fuck was this all worth? Nothing. And, and I just don't believe people change until they hit a rock bottom, because it's not painful enough. And you remain blind to your blindness and you stay plugged into the matrix and you think that more is gonna make you happy and it will never make you happy. It's a a drug, it's a lie. So I know that was a lot there, but I I think you have to question where did my drive come from? There's a healthy version of drive and then there's a dysfunctional version of drive. There's a dark side of the drive. The drive that's dysfunctional is the drive that is fueling an insecurity from the past that I'll always be average, I'm always behind. And I'm trying to show the world that, hey, I'm not behind. And that's just a flat out lie because you're on your own unique journey. And this is exactly where you're supposed to be. And your lessons are your lessons. And I think people just don't appreciate, they don't appreciate their own journey. You have to own your journey. Number one thing I teach people, you got to own your journey. And the minute you come out of the present, you start reflecting on the past. You go into regret. The minute you come out of the present, start focusing on the future you're now creating anxiety and stress. People do not know how to stay present in the moment anymore.
0: Yeah, there's a lot in there. Um, <laughs> one, part, one part that stood out was the, uh, the drives and you have unhealthy drive and very healthy drive and unhealthy drives can, can destroy you. And that's actually why I launched Total Mental Performance. So without going into my life story, I spent eight years as a boxer, reaching the, the national team, wasn't quite good enough to make uh, team GB. There's a difference between England and, and team GP at the Olympics. Uh, spent six years in, in software sales. And, uh, if you think about boxing and, and software sales, it's very much goes into those four drivers that you spoke about earlier, particularly for men. For me, it was if I had a six pack, I could knock you out and make more money than you. I was validated. I was enough. I was worthy. The problem is I never felt enough. I never felt worthy. And, and all of the successes and wins I had there, it was driven by fear, fear of not being enough, fear of not being worthy, inferiority, thus having to use a toxic drive to lead to burnout, eating disorder, binge eating specifically, anxiety, trying to take my own life, not wanting to, not wanting to be here on the planet anymore. And that was driven a lot by darkness. When we talk about the unhealthy drive, that's essentially what drives me is to help ambitious individuals avoid the extremes that I went to, because it's just not necessary to be a fulfilled, be successful in your chosen field uh, and c consistent. You, You don't have to do that, but I call it the overachievers paradox. The overachievers paradox is yeah, but all of that darkness and dysfunction is what led to my success. I can't possibly let that go. When the reality is there is no life of abundance. There is a way of doing business and being successful without having to solely whip yourself yeah. on
1: the back and actually yeah. go towards the carrot. And that was quite You need new tools. I, I so, 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 so I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off, but like, you're just like, I, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. And, and I used to think that the only way to get forward was to go harder. Mm. It was try harder, try harder, try harder. Right. Now I realize the harder you go, the heavier it gets. <laughs> Sometimes you got to try higher. You, need, you know, you got to think, try higher in terms of like actually recognizing that there's a God in this world who has a plan for your life and you're trying to override his plan for your life by being in control. And what this requires is processing, thinking, waiting. These words I'm I'm saying, every entrepreneur listening who's got these dysfunctions is just cringing right now. And this mm-hmm. is what happens. I realized that a lot of my dysfunction just came from you know saying yes too quickly and not actually thinking and committing my energy to things that I was invested in because it just is like this constant pursuit of more and it's where I felt comfortable not realizing that sometimes I can wait for three days and think about committing to that before I say yes um, perhaps I need to move more to action and less reaction perhaps I need to play harder to get and stop just trying to force and operate within my power. You talked about ambition at the start and I learned this actually from a Navy seal. It was a really fascinating concept and this is where a lot of frustration comes from, from people it's because there's this, there is this an alignment of power and ambition that needs to match. So if your ambition is up here, visualize my hand up above my head and my uh, um, power though to execute the ambition is down here, which is below my chin there's a mismatch. So I'll have two options. I can bring my power up to match my ambition, which is where there'll be flow or I can reduce, um, or, or there can be also massive stress and burnout to try and bring my power up to my ambition, or I can lower my ambition to match my current level of power, which is much more sustainable. A lot of people's ambition is too crazy. So what they do is they try and force their current level of power up to a certain level of ambition. And oftentimes that just leads to crash and burn, bring your ambition down to match your current power. As you bring your power up, your ambition can stay with it. It's a much more sustainable approach to life. hundred percent. And the word used there is sustainable.
0: And I really reckon I really reconcile with that because sometimes we have coaches that come and work with us and we don't touch the business side. We're not interested in that. We only care about the mind. We want you to achieve total mental performance. But sometimes we see co- coaches and clients in that space where they're being pushed. You should have a multi six, seven, eight figure business, but the individual isn't there yet. So then there's this cognitive dissonance, which is, well, I'm pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. I'm burning out. And I can't really think and feel. And I'm just anxious and I'm stressed and I can't do this. And it's exactly like you said, I'm holding my hands just like Vince was, that gap. And actually sometimes just, reassessing okay well actually where is my my ambition and where am i at right now and sometimes it's okay to actually get to a more sustainable level of ambition that's more healthy because you'll stay in the game a hell of a lot longer this industry has churned out a hell of a lot of coaches far too early because the gap was just far too far and as a result they self-implode and that's where a lot of what we do is we help coaches from self-imploding before they actually get to their goal of fulfillment and helping more
1: your, your business will never implode because, you know, the market changes or, you know, your your content sucks or you're not going on sales calls. It's always you, right? You have personal problems that break down a business. You don't have business problems that end a business. And it is managing your state. I, I'm the number one thing that I'm focused on is learning how to not react. And oftentimes you got, you know, pretty much our country is run by six-year-old boys. Who are you know functioning from you know behavior that was never managed when they were kids, and I'm speaking on behalf of myself as well. And they have these outbursts, which are childish. How many times have you seen a guy just outburst? That is not normal for a grown man, unless you're defending your family against like an armed killer. There is absolutely no time or place for a man to outburst. Like it's a com- it's complete emotional dysregulation. The minute I see a guy yell Uh, who's just not in control, I can tell immediately, like there's childish behavior there that he's not even aware of. Mm. Um, And this is something that ends up ending businesses. It disrupts teams. It creates disconnection. What I've learned is that the number one thing a man needs to get a hold of is his emotions. And how do you get a hold of your emotions? You got to get in control of your mind, like your thoughts, being able to calm the inner child. And not operate from your subconscious. 94% of what you do is from your subconscious. Which are traumas from the past. Things that happened probably before the age of 15. Your conscious is your higher self. It's like I know how I'm supposed to act right now. But I'm not doing it. (laughs) I know I'm supposed to stay calm. I know I'm not supposed to be typing this email, email. I know I'm not supposed to be behaving like this. That's your subconscious. And spending time every day learning how to. Talk to yourself and examine that darkness inside of you. I used to, you know, I was raised in a Christian home and, you know, having parents that loved me, there was actually a downside to that because what my parents did, you know, is they defended me. And when you grow up like in a good family and you grow up in a Christian home or family, you know, faith home, typically what they do is that like, God loves you. You know, you're forgiven, right? Um, and you just sweep all that shit under the rug. And then you put icing on top of it and you focus on the 90% of good stuff you do. But look at me. you know, I, I try here and I'm good over here. You can't put icing on a pile of shit without it still being a pile of shit. And sure. what I did for a long, long time is I just defended my goodness. And I finally had somebody say to me, Vince, we don't need to defend your goodness. We actually need to go look at that pile of shit. We need to investigate it. We need to smell it. We need to become friends with it. We need to sleep in it. We need to, like, we can't stop just, I ah, just, it's just, that's just the bad part of me. No, that is who you are. Uh, that just happens every once in a while. No, that's who you are. And until you're, you know, capable of looking in the mirror and not looking at your external, but being able to examine your internal and say, I do not like that part of me. And I'm going to raise my own standards to fix that part of me because that's just my new standard not because I want my business to grow, not because I want to try and heal that heartbreak or get that girl back or become a better dad, but because this is my new standard of living, nothing's going to change. I think just that's very, very scary for a lot of guys. And I'm in this transformation right now, examining uh, a lot of shit that I just put icing on top of. Mm. Yeah.
0: Well, look, it's the safe. The way that I see it is men go one of two ways. They kind of especially ambitious men. They go, okay, I'm gonna use this as fuel and I'm gonna be ultra successful and I'm gonna validate myself or they go the opposite way and they turn into crime, they turn into self-sabotage and whatever. And it sounds like you made a decision to go, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna validate myself for achievement, which is great because it's better that you do that because that adds more to the society community and, and the economy than the upper options, right? But at the same time, it's not sustainable and it all comes crashing down at, at some point. I call it a now what moment, you achieve everything you thought would make you happy and then all of a sudden it's like oh fuck what have i done now and then you start to self implode because that spurt of happiness just isn't there this is where we talk about here at TMP is optimizing for joy because joy is sustainable happiness isn't happiness is a spurt of dopamine joy mm. i experience joy just doing what we're doing right now i experience mm. joy speaking in front of thousands of people i enjoy i pick up joy even just coaching and just doing what i'm doing on a day-to-day basis and that for me is a hell of a lot more sustainable Whereas when I was in software sales, I experienced a little bit of joy at the beginning, but towards the end of my career, I hated it. And as much as the validation came with achievement, it it really doesn't get you going. So I think finding that thing that you inherently experience joy in and not being afraid to go into the darkness, because the darkness is the part of you that you want to deny. It's the part of you you want to put in a box and actually by repressing that darkness that uses more energy both emotionally and physically than it does to actually work with that. And it's a bit of a Pandora's box. And a lot yeah. of people don't want to open the Pandora's box. What if I open the Pandora's box and my whole business tanks? Well, that might happen. And you just
1: got to deal with that. What you if have I open box and it goes, book. right, then what do I do? You're getting comfortable. That's that. The guy that doesn't want to open up Pandora's box is comfortable. And typically, that guy won't open up Pandora's box until there's a massive insecurity in his life that forces him to have to look at that. Um, that's from my experience, most guys do just get too comfortable you, you, make too much money and you're fucked. Anybody who makes too much money is like, well, the more money you make, the more fucked you are, the harder it is to change because you're comfortable. Money fucks you over for like ever. Um, I learned this, I, I learned this from personal experience. You become an arrogant prick. I, I don't care what you say. People who make more money, they're the hardest people to work with. They're just, they're fixed in their mindset and they just they're they actually think they're open-minded they're some of the most closed off people you ever meet the more money somebody makes the harder they are to work with um why was i saying that oh the darkness yeah i think you're talking about joy i agree with that i think the only people that like actually genuinely seek happiness are women and i think that's okay for women <laughs> to like want to be happy but for men that is not what men were put on the planet earth to do men i i truly believe the highest in for men is to suffer and uh, to to experience pain and when you experience suffering and pain and you deal with it and you inflict it upon yourself and you allow it to happen and deal with it and you know go find out why is this going on in my life and it's a kind of painful process to fix that will bring you joy i gain joy knowing that i'm becoming a better version of myself despite the consequences despite the cost Cause I know I'll track everything I want back into my life or into my life. When I do become that version that requires faith as well. But I think honestly, guys just, you make too much money and you're screwed. Um, you don't want to make too much money too fast. That's what happened to me when my fitness business. So you, you just like, Oh, this is great. And then you start to play not to lose instead of playing to win. Mm-hmm. And in order to keep winning, you have to keep peeling back layers and keep looking at the darkness. And most guys, they just don't want to do that. They like, the cake's 90% good. And it's like, yeah, there's just a bit of shit in the cake. It's, it's, you know, it's not that bad, but if you want to experience your best self, you've got to make the whole cake icing. It's true. I was very lucky. And I,
0: I think the universe, God, whichever way you believe, placed this client with me when I was really right, quite early on, I started working with a guy that's worth over a billion dollars here in Dubai. And that and me, I'm a, I'm a working-class kid. You know, I haven't, I haven't come from a world of that. I've had to learn that. And, and for me, experiencing that client that had so much suffering, yet had everything he thought would make him happy, really held up a mirror to, well, and you know this, consciously you know material, material things are helpful, but they're not the thing, so to speak. But observing him and some of the clients I've coached since then a lot of that stuff is built on a void, a void of not feeling enough, not feeling worthy, fear, insecurity, and, and and believe it or not, scarcity. Someone's going to come take this away. I can't trust anyone. It's all going to go. It's all going to go. It's all going to go. So learning from those experiences early, I kind of picked up, well, you know what? Psychological freedom versus financial freedom to me is a higher, is a higher coin to win. And psychological freedom to me is not the absence of suffering. No, no, it's the ability to suffer. And almost I go back to boxing, right? Sometimes you get hit with a big punch and you, you're seeing stars and you bite down on your gumshoe and you go, fucking hell, fair play, mate. That's, ooh. And it's being able to feel that suffering, feel that pain and go, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do the thing anyway, or I'm going to grow out of this anyway, and I'm going to learn anyway. So for mm-hmm. me, experiencing and having coached people in that space really taught me a lot, which was. From where I sit, and I'm biased because I work with the mind, psychological freedom is worth a hell of a lot more than financial freedom. And I've met guys and girls that don't necessarily have the financial freedom, but they have psychological freedom. And when I look at that, that for me is particularly impressive.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to share that. Yeah, When we were exploring places to move when we went down to Tennessee, we found um, the word I would use, um, I don't know if, if we're on the same page here, but like contentment. When you say psychological freedom, do you say, did it kind of resonate with that word contentment? I think psychological freedom for me
0: is for f- contentment, fulfillment, and finally surrender—the ability to surrender to so, you know what things are outside of my control, but I'm safe. Okay, I'm going to find a way anyway. So when I talk about psychological freedom, it, it is that fulfillment, contentment, that surrender, that backing There's- of yourself, knowing no matter what happens, I got this. This is cool.
1: Right. I, I like that. So, so you're you're the way I'm hearing that is you're willing to be engaged in the process that you're in. And I know a lot of entrepreneurs are successful because they, they have had pressure from their past, maybe as parents, maybe it's athletics, maybe it was school. And that pressure became a fuel source and they constantly look for ways to create pressure in their life to move forward. Yeah. And that was me constantly giving myself deadlines, giving myself new projects, giving myself new goals. It's just my whole life was fueled by pressure. Like, is not that good? Pressure produces diamonds. Like, well, pressure can also kill (laughs) if it's not applied properly. So again, healthy version of pressure, but there's also a dark side of pressure. And I realized that like, wait a second, what about process? What about waiting for things to come to me? That's a foreign concept. Um, and being content with where I'm at right now, like why did why did we have to make more money after that weekend? Why not? Like let's stabilize everything. Let's make sure everybody's happy. Let's just like you know make sure the you know boat's still in check and there's no leaks before we try and you know fill put more people on the boat. Um, contentment. When we were searching for a new place to live, you know we found Tennessee. I didn't even know where Tennessee was on the map. My Italian buddies are like, what the heck are you doing? They're gonna do there? <laughs> like it's, what are you you becoming a cowboy or what? I'm like, I don't, I, I don't know, man, but I really like the people that I'm meeting there. Like, what do you mean? I'm like, people seem just much more content with less. I'm like, content with less? That that can't be good for business. And that was my first thought. I'm like, wow, I'm, yeah. my first thought was I'm gonna make less money living in Tennessee. Now Obviously, that's a that's a lie. There's a lot of successful people that live there. And I just realized that, like, you know, I'm in Toronto. I like the hustle. I like the bustle. You know, I'm like, I'm always driven. People are doing stuff here. I need that pressure, constantly seeking pressure. And I realized that being in an environment where people were genuinely content with less and I had to explore this because it was really messing me up because I'm like all the voices in my head were like, no, if you're content, you're lazy. If you're content, you're settling. If you're content, you're wasting your potential. I'm like, how do you not, like, how are you judging those people? Like, so somebody doesn't have the, isn't a workaholic 16 hours a day that has no other relationships other than their business. That person is the healthier version than the person that actually wants more uh, balance. God forbid you use that word these days in their life. Like how judgmental. And then I just realized, no, they're saying that to mask their own insecurities of needing to grow something and prove themselves out of their own dysfunction. And, and that that's why they're attacking that idea. And I had to really explore that. Like, what is wrong with being content and having other aspects in my life that are deeper rooted, having more relationships? How, why am I banking my whole success model around my level of worldly financial success? What a, what a short-sighted approach to life. That's just one part of what I do. That's not who I am. And I just realized that people that I met there just seemed a lot more content with who they were. And I'm like, this is, yeah. they have something that I don't have. Uh, maybe it's psychological freedom. You know, I call it peace. They have like a peace about them. And I'm like, I want that. I, I That's like, how much is that worth? To have to wake, to not wake up today and feel like I need to perform. I need to do. Now, that can certainly become who you become. Like, I, I do need my routines. I need my workouts. I need to serve clients. That is about... But, like, at the same time, I've built, like, recently, like, if I don't feel like training, I'm not freaking David Goggins where I'm, like, I need to go out there and destroy. Like, I'll take a day off. That's, to me, self-love. That's, that's listening. To, that's respect. Respect is listening to yourself. And, and, and that's not me being lazy. I could go out there and destroy my knees today and get seven workouts in a week. I could do that. I've done 75 hard multiple times. I've trained for, I've done that. But I know where it led me. I didn't like who it led me to become. That's why I said at the start of the call, you can't just want what you want. You've got to want what your wants lead you to. And people don't ask that second half of the question. Okay. So you did this, this and this, but was it worth it? You, you mostly, you never, you never actually can answer that question. Honestly, until you see like the fallout uh, on the other side of the extreme side of these addictions.
0: Yeah. i have got I've got one. Um, One point I think you'll find interesting and then uh, two of my two questions I love. Um, The first point being is I talk a lot about growing the difference between growing at peace and growing at war because a big part of psychological freedom is being at peace but not necessarily meaning that you know I don't do anything No, no it's being at peace with yourself when you're growing at peace you're at peace with yourself and you're going out and doing things and fighting for things that you find valuable and you find meaningful out of abundance when you're growing at war you're growing at war with yourself, growing in a way in which I'm using all of this stuff as an external tool to validate me. The question, what about me? What about me? What about me? So for a loss, we're about here, build, here at TMP, we're about building uh, warriors in the garden versus the gardeners at war. And that for me is a concept. I do believe you can be at peace and still push for more out of choice, out of abundance, not out of scarcity. Um, in terms of the two questions I, I, I love to ask, who is the richest man on the planet, do you think?
1: Wises, uh, the person rich in relationships. It's the man that has enough. Mm. It's
0: the man mm. that is enough. That, for me, is the richest man on the planet. The man that has enough and is enough. That is the, the, the biggest form of riches. And another question I love to ask, and this is where you talked about earlier, is kind of, the, in my translation, the why behind the why. Or you want mm-hmm. something, or what's the one behind the one? The one question I have that cuts out a lot of the noise, you know, do I genuinely want this or am I doing it for other people is, yeah. in fact, I'll use a client example. It was one of the coolest emails I, I'd sent at the time. Uh, and the subject line was buy the Ferrari. And uh, my client came to me and was like, I'm going to buy a Ferrari, but I don't know if I'm buying it out of ego or I don't know if I actually want it. And i said okay well can you tell me about the car that you want five minutes spiel on how it was manufactured how the chassis number is the last time it's going to be like this the metal they used in the brake pads the lever how it's been cut and, and all that it went on for five minutes I, I couldn't get a word in i said okay all right fair play um second of all and this is the question is if no one else could know that you could have the thing that you think you want would you still want it and he, mm. did, he didn't even blink yeah of course if no one else could know that you had a seven-figure, eight-figure, nine-figure business, would you still want that? And if the answer is, um, no, actually, I don't. Everybody has to know about it. Chances are you're doing it for everyone else. You're doing it to try and prove that you're enough, that you're worthy. If the answer is, well, oh, fuck yeah, I'd still want that. Yeah, why? Because that's what life's about. It's fun. It's about exploration. It's about joy. It's about this. It's about this. So for me, that one question, whenever I have a client challenging challenging their wants and their desires, well, okay, if no one else... Could know about that would you still want it and if the answer is no then you're probably putting your happiness in the outside world whereas for this client who is a ferrari fact he, he goes to all the f1 he follows them around everywhere i was like y- you just love ferraris and people are going to judge you with whatever you do so you might as well be judging who you are versus judged on you know this sort of little persona that you put up to the world um it's a great,
1: it's a like, great, question. It's a great question you get mm-hmm. the one you get to call the guys out who have to you know just showcase how many lamborghinis they have i'm like and they say, oh, you don't get it. I'm like, no, I don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't get it. I don't, what is there, what am I missing here? Why do you need to tell me? Like, so anyways, I, I think those aren't judgmental questions. I'm really trying, I hope I don't sound judgmental. I think they're very good self-reflection questions. At the end of the day, man, you know, you, you've got to love who you see in the mirror and you got to know if you're a liar. I think at the end of our lives, one of the number one things a man will regret is if they lied and they didn't, I'd rather have the world see me for who I am and just know like this is who Vince was than for me to put on a facade and say, Hey, look, I met everybody's standards, but deep down, I know that I was a facade today. Yeah. I just, I, I put a post up this morning on just, I've come I'm coming off all chemicals and, um, the last one I got to remove is sugar. <laughs> That'll be my toughest one. But I've been off of caffeine, I've been off alcohol, and I've come off of TRT. And I'm not doing this to tell everybody else to need to do this. This is just like the journey I'm on. And I've always felt haunted. I'll just speak to the TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. I've always felt like a fraud on it because um, I know it gives me an edge. And, and I'm not saying you know you know I'm not again. This is my personal share. Um, I'm not judging anybody but i always kept this conversation to myself because you know i'm over 35 and my levels aren't actually that great to be honest and it's for optimization and i'm not abusing it and i'm not competing against anyone so what does it hurt but deep down that question always haunted me of like so i need to look and feel a certain way according to who i actually like the way i look and feel and I'm only trying to look and feel a certain way to fit into the certain peer group that looks and feels, or at least they say they look and feel a certain way. I'm like, what a spit in God's face? I don't want to have anything in my body that is not naturally produced from my own authentic energy. And I just don't want, I feel like it's a, it was really bothering me for a long, long time. And I just want to, I'd rather be a tad smaller and, not have to be, you know, a little more diligent with my nutrition than just kind of carry this this lie that this is the way I look. And I know you can say why well, take it and all that, but it just didn't feel authentic to me. I thought to myself, if my son, the best way I could probably explain this is like, if my son, John Luca, he's, he just turned eight years old, and he came up to me and said, Daddy, can I do TRT too? I'd be like, fuck no, John, you don't need it, buddy. So why am I doing it? Why am i doing it i'm like don't no, buddy you're good enough man like you're dude we, let's what do you want to why do you want it um these are like real serious questions and then caffeine why did they come off of caffeine i mean one my sleep was horrible and i didn't realize how it slashes years and years off your life um like cutting the denison um but i also realized it produced workaholism like, when I have caffeine, I could work 12 plus hour days. And I realized I was working on a lot of frantic energy, which led to a lot of just too much work, which created a lot of stress and overwhelm and, and that. And then the alcohol, I'm like, well, alcohol makes life better. What's wrong with a drink here, too? I might go back one day to having a drink here or there, but I know deep down why I was drinking in excess. And I think every man has got to be super honest with himself. What are they doing? What are they avoiding by taking these substances? And because they're so, so societally accepted, nobody would question you if you were to take a couple co- coffees a day. And, well, I like it. It feels good. I'm like, I do too. I didn't actually think I could function without coffee. I actually, like it, there's some days where I can't, I actually just have to have, go have a nap, but that's a part of my process of like wanting to look back on my life and loving who I am and not. Being scared of saying, you know, I actually got to take a nap right now. I'm tired. I used to think that was for lazy people and the alcohol is like, oh, I need this to have a better time. I'm like, why do I need? So I don't love who I am. I need to be somebody else that's induced by a chemical to like who I am. I had to ask myself, what the fuck's going on here? Yeah. I had to ask questions I never explored. And I think, you know, back just to your question at like the start, like how do you deal with overwhelm and anxiety and stress. You got to you got to get comfortable with who you are. The darkness and you got to start working on it and then just, you know, love the good stuff. And like this is what I find my identity in. In this version of me that I'm becoming that's rooted in truth. I want to live in truth. I don't want to live in a lie. I want to live in truth. That's something nobody can take from me. So, okay, you make more money than me? Are you proud of how you made it? Like I want to just be able to be proud of how I've done everything. Those are feelings. I wanna have at the end of my life. And those are kinda of like my navigators. Those are my navigators for when I feel like I'm going off course and following somebody else's game plan, not mine. Yeah.
0: And it comes back to, at the end of the day, you gotta play the game how you wanna play the game. And I, I'm a huge Arsenal fan, football, Arsenal Football Club. I, I, lo- I live and breathe that club. And uh, we had a very famous football manager called Arsene Wenger. And he said, to win is not enough. To win beautifully is the goal. And I listened to a lot of interviews from him where they he was challenged on that thought and that belief. And ultimately, it was winning in a way that's stylistically, that's beautiful, but and also that does it in the right way. And he always played with honor. He always played in integrity. And he embedded that into all of his teams. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's playing the game in a way in which you want to play the game and doing it how you want to do it, not necessarily how you think the world wants to do it. Substances... In my view, none of them are inherently evil by themselves. Alcohol's not bad. Drugs aren't bad. Caffeine isn't bad. Cigarettes aren't bad. It's the intention behind why you're using them. So if you're using them to run away from yourself, if you're using them to try and bring out a side of you, for example, alcohol is a great one. If you feel anxious in social settings, well, I'll just have a couple of drinks to loosen up. Well, what if you were loose enough in the first place? You use these, these little, I'll call them crutches. you get all these little crutches. And when you can really stand as the man, as who you are, is when you take away all those crutches and you stand up and you go, I'm enough as I am. I'm working towards something that's meaningful enough and I enjoy that. And I'm going to do that at a pace that's sustainable. Um, and I'm going to fight for what I believe in. And you and I might not agree, but we can still hold respect for each other. We can shake hands and go, that's okay. So I find I, I'm very wary of time. But we could probably just go on for hours and hours. But, um, uh, I appreciate you coming on the podcast and, uh, and the call we've had. I've got. One question I ask every single, um, every single guest, and I want you to delete the concept of, of me, I want you to delete the concept of our, our organization, but I want you to think about the phrase and the language. What does total mental performance mean to Vince Del Monte? If he had total mental performance, how would he know?
1: Hmm, I could calm my mind and I'm untriggerable. I think total mental performance. I think the true sign of a man is his ability to stay calm and to silence the subconscious and live in a higher state of consciousness. I think when your mind has done the work, you're untriggerable. Nothing can trigger you. Nothing.
0: I love that. and mate. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. Appreciate you. Appreciate your time. Appreciate your energy.
1: Where can people find you? at vince del monte blue verified account on instagram vince del monte on youtube and podcasts and on facebook just my name
0: amazing vince mate it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on to the pod
1: it's been a pleasure brother
0: so that's us for today team i want to say a huge thank you for spending this portion of your life listening to us couple of things before you disappear if you're not already following us on instagram you can find all of our daily content on mindset and hitting peak performance at total mental performance or our website www.totalmentalperformance.com if you haven't already please subscribe you'll find us on spotify uh, the apple podcast and all the other various different platforms big love thank you ever so much and we're really looking forward to speaking with you soon